There's, there's two mindsets that I want to highlight just this morning, just for a few moments. And as, as if you're new and this is like you're just trying, you're like, hey, I saw this building. I'm going to try this out. This is a church. But what I've seen and heard from the Lord is that, as I just said, the kingdom of God, the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus cannot be contained by a clock and and a building. And so what God is doing is he is just pulling us back to, 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 to propel us to tomorrow morning. And, and, and then as we hit the ground tomorrow and we go to our schools and, and our places of work and as we're stay-at-home moms and as us dads and we go and we grind it out and these grandparents are, are lovingly shipping our kids all around for us because the parents are so busy. As we do that tomorrow, that's what real life looks like. We're going to know because we did bask in his presence for just a few minutes this morning that we are more than worthy and more than conquerors to face whatever God lays out in front of us tomorrow. That he is with us even when we don't believe it and even when we doubt it. There is nothing that you and I can do that can run and hide from his presence. He is with you. I need you to know that. That you are supernaturally powered by God, the Holy Spirit. And everywhere you go, he's going there with you. There's two mindsets that I want to highlight real quick. And we're going to do some more praying. And he said, ah, that's all you guys do is pray. I would love for at the end of my day, for that to be said about this place, myself, my family, this community. And all they do is pray. I'd love that. That's my heart. And I want that to be all of our hearts, but it's what you and I choose. Because I can't preach it good enough, and we can't sing it good enough, and we can't environment good enough to make you choose a heart that longs to be communing with God. I can't make you do that. I can't make you choose that. I've had that conversation with two of my teenagers I love them dearly, but guess what? At the end of the day, my teenagers who are now 17 and 15, they are old enough to choose where they are going to set their heart. And I just have to trust the Holy Spirit that he will draw them as he drew me and drew many of you. And so these two mindsets come from the Old Testament. And if you want to go ahead and turn to the first one we're going to look at, is a well-known man by the name of Moses. And I want to talk about his heart today. I'll talk about his heart from the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 14. There's a lot of things that that I'm going to have to skip over, that I'm going to trust that you and God will spend some time together this week. And you're diving into this and you're going to read not only Numbers 14, but you may even go beyond that and just see what's going on in the land. But I know And I can't go into all the details this morning. And again, not just saying we're confined by time. And I don't want to keep putting reference to that. But there are so many things that I have seen that I am getting to be witness to. There are prophecies, there are promises, there are words that have been spoken all the way back from the year 2011. I'm starting to see them come into fruition And I'm not only excited about hearing and remembering the words that were spoken, but I am now at a place in my life where I'm actually being able to tangibly touch some of the things that God had forecasted. 
I am seeing people coming together. I am seeing resources just coming out of nowhere. All because God is doing a divine work. I truly believe in this community. I know that I'm not the only one who has seen people divinely brought together. Resources, physical resources just coming seemingly from nowhere. I know I'm not the only one. But I'm also seeing, and I don't like to give any, anything, but I am also being, this is being confirmed because the enemy, like never before, I am seeing him hating the fact that God and his kingdom and his way is starting to take shape here on earth. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the enemy enraged. I'm seeing battles. You know, in the book of Acts, it talks about our young men and young daughters will dream dreams and see visions. That's happening. We've got a staff member who has a little kid and, and he, I don't know, what is, is he seven? He's seven and he's having dreams. And they're coming to fruition. Because the word says that there's going to be a day when God pours out his spirit on this place and our young men and our daughters are going to see dreams and have visions. That's true. And I'm starting to see that kind of stuff align. I'm excited about it. But let me just say this, and this is where we're getting ready to go with Moses. Is the glory of God that is truly being poured out. Not only on this place, I am seeing this in other places, other leaders, other churches, other environments that God is just pouring out his goodness. It's not driving me. It's not driving me to go and do more things. It's not driving me to go out here and start and get really busy and show people the goodness of God. It's not driving me to a bunch of actions. It's not. And I know that this is the Holy Spirit because it is my flesh that when I see the goodness of God, I get excited about him and I want to go do it and I want to talk about it and I want to highlight his goodness. So let's do these things and let's go these places. Let's lay hands and let's do all of this stuff. That's my flesh. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, Scott, all of this stuff is coming in God's perfect timing. And the Holy Spirit is drawing me in to commune with him. And I'm not afraid of missing it. I'm not afraid of missing God's timing. What about all these things that we need to go do? All these hungry people, all of these hurting children, all of these environments that are just being destroyed by the world. Don't we have to go out there and help? And the answer to that is yes. But that is not the first response. The Holy Spirit is saying the first response. I see the void God, the resources here, the people are aligning and the Holy Spirit is saying, commune with the Father. So there is a season that is upon us where the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to commune with you. I just want to talk to you. I want you to hear me. And my voice will draw you much more intimate and close to me. And then it's out of that communing with the Father. That what you and I, in the name of Jesus, 
but flesh driven would have gone and done and done some amazing things in Jesus name. It is after the communing and the intimacy with God, knowing his nature, knowing his love for us. It is after that that we go out into this community and infect it and it blows our minds for what God is doing. It takes what you and I would have done in the flesh and made it just a little speck of sand compared to the mountain that God is creating in his name. You and I have such limited resources and ingenuity and strength. And I honestly think that that is what we've been operating on for far too long. It's a season that the Lord is saying, come commune with me. And you'll know because my Holy Spirit will let you know when it's time to go and impact this community. And so what I'm talking about here today is prayer. It's what I've been talking about all this year already. Is that we are in a season where God says, hey, Scott, it's not about doing. Come commune with me. Listen to me. And I'm going to tell you some amazing things. Hmm. That's my heart. That's what the Holy Spirit has. I don't want to say he's awoken it, but that's my heart. And I long for that to be your heart. I want that to be your heart. I want to see a community of people, even a hundred people, where their heart is set on just communing with God. And after we commune with God, then we go be. And we just watch him do his thing through you. Moses' heart was just that. had a vision. The Lord gave me a vision. And I saw this. And in my vision, I saw a big sail. And it caught the wind. And it, and it made this loud noise. You can almost hear it and picture it, can't you? This sail on a sailboat catching the wind. And it captures the wind. And it just automatically inflates. And it becomes a power source. I was sitting there with some friends a couple of weeks ago at dinner and he asked me, he said, Scott, what do you, what do you see for going forward? What's the new year look like? What's the Lord saying to you? And I shared this vision with him. And I didn't know that this dude was a sailor and I didn't know that he had a sailboat and I didn't know anything about sailing. I don't. But my friend asked me, he said, Scott, what's the most important part of the sailboat? And I didn't want to look dumb. So I made up an answer. I said, um, maybe it's the rudder, the thing that steers the boat. And he said, no, that's not the most important thing. And so I guessed again, I said, maybe it's the sail that captures the wind and it goes forward. And he said, no, that's not the most important part of the sailboat either. He said, Scott, you know what? The most important part of the sailboat is never seen when it's in the water. He said, the most important part of the sailboat is called the keel. There's a picture on the screen of an old sailboat sitting up above the water, and it is the thing coming out of the middle of the boat. It's called the keel. And my friend said, there's two purposes to the keel. He said, if the keel is not there, then that sailboat is not going forward in the wind. The keel keeps that boat capturing the sail in the wind, and it moves it forward without the keel, he said. That wind would be captured in the sail, and the wind and its power would blow that sailboat all over the place. And he said, the second thing, he said, the second purpose of the keel is to keep that boat balanced. 
He said, the winds are always left and right, up and down. It's a chaotic thing out there in the water when the wind's blowing and my sail is capturing it and we're going forward into the wind. He said, if it did not have the keel, it would just keel over. And he said to me, he said, Scott, he said, the keel is to the sailboat is what your heart is to you. He said, your heart, it's your life source. It's what's pumping through you and it's never seen. You cannot see my physical heart. But it is pumping something through you called life. And it is to the ones who are setting their heart on the kingdom of God. We are moving forward, even dead into the wind. And we're also staying upright in this chaotic world that you and I are living in. Our heart, even though it's not seen, there are places that you and I go. There are people we hang with. There are people we do life with. There are friends. There are loved ones that we sit with. And even though you can't see it, it is coming out of you. The word says that the, from the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's Moses' heart that I want to emulate. In Numbers 14, again, I told you we don't have time to set out the backdrop. But let me just say that God's children, the Israelites, are going wild. Okay? They're complaining. They want to literally kill Moses. You can see it right here. In the 10th verse of that chapter, it says the whole assembly talked about killing Moses and Aaron. And then listen to this. It says, then the glory of the Lord appeared. It appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the miraculous signs I've performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. God's fed up. And God goes on and he says that next sentence, but listen to this. And here's where Moses' heart is revealed. And he says, but I will make you, and he's talking to Moses, I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. And right here is where Moses' heart is revealed. If I'm being honest, and I've been leading all these crazy people who now want to kill me. I've heard nothing but complaining. I've heard nothing but griping. They don't like their food. They don't like the miraculous. They don't like their lives being saved. They want to go back to Egypt where they're prisoners. And if I hear God Almighty say, hey, hey, Moses, guess what? I'm going to kill them all. But here's what's going to happen, Moses. It's going to get good for you. I'm going to make you into a great nation way better than them. What are you going to say? Go ahead and be honest with yourself. If I'm Moses in that situation, I'm saying, hey, God, can I watch you destroy them? I want to see it. And there's a couple of them in particular. I want to see you get them good. And then, God, I want you to give me everything that you just said. But that's not Moses' heart. Look at Moses' heart. Moses said to the Lord, verse 13, and I'll just paraphrase it. 
What Moses says, and you can read it for yourself, starting in verse 13, what Moses says is he's like, hey, God, no, that, no. That cannot happen. Because, God, if you destroy your people, then basically Moses in his heart is saying, God, you're going to look really bad. All of the people that are out there that want to kill us, they're going to say, God, you were not able to do what you promised. And Moses did not want that. You know what Moses wanted more than anything? If you don't hear anything else this morning from me, please hear this. Moses wanted the glory of God on his life and on his people and on his land. Moses wanted the glory of God above everything else. And Moses said, God, if you do what you're talking about doing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you. Verse 15 says, if you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised. Hmm. And so Moses, from a pure heart, said, God, I only want your glory in this land. And I'll put up with all these people that are complaining. I'll put up with all this heartache as long as you glorify yourself. You see, it's again written there in Moses' story. It said, hey, God, if you're not going to go with us, don't even send us up out of this place. And I quote Moses because he said, God, now show me your glory. Hey, men, that you stood, that you have children and teenagers. You may not know where to start. How do I pray? How long do I pray? Where do I pray? Maybe start with this prayer. Hey God, will you show me your glory? Will you show me your glory in my house? Will you reveal your glory to my kids? Will you reveal your glory to me? And then we operate from there. Because it's from his glory that we see salvations. It's from his glory that we'll see restoration of homes. It's from his glory that we'll see miracles. It is from his glory that we'll see healings. It's from his glory that we will see children actually teaching their parents about the nature and goodness of God. It is from his glory that everything comes from. So that's where we can start to pray. And I contrast that real quick with one in Ezekiel. Let's fast forward 900 years. Same setting. People are crazy. People are crazier than ever probably. And Ezekiel is on the scene. He's a prophet called from the Lord. And the Lord has taken a survey of the land. And it's crazy. The people are vile. There's people that have jobs like me here in Ezekiel's time. They're, 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 they're prophets. They're basically self-appointed prophets. And they're standing before people and they're saying things like, Thus saith the Lord. 
and God never actually spoke to them. They were making things up so that they could prosper. And let me just give you a little bit of a way that you can test if this is of the Lord or not. I've been having these visions and dreams. And yesterday morning with a group of intercessors, a people, a bunch of people who pray for this community and this place, we were praying, gathering around the presence of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as day. And he said, Scott, all those visions and dreams that I'm giving you, who's at the center of them? So I just share that with you, all the dreams, all the things that you are excited about. I would ask you, who's at the center of them? Because if you are at the center of them, it is not from God. These men in Ezekiel's time, they were doing just that. They had all these dreams and visions, but they were at the center of them. Can I tell you, God and his kingdom that is moving and is being poured out on this area is not for me to be the center of it. And I hate to say this to you, but it is not for you to be the center of it as well. God is moving and pouring out his blessing, his favor, his provision, his glory, his power. And it has nothing to do about bringing us... Any glory. It's not about us. So all these visions and dreams that the Lord is showing and providing for and aligning people. I have to check my heart. And I have to make sure that it truly is God Almighty that is at the center of them. If a hundred people get healed in Jesus' name, it better not be this place or me or anyone else who's laying on the hands. It better be that God is getting the glory for everything that is done. These people were doing just that in Ezekiel's time. And God's fed up once again. And it says here, you can look this up, Ezekiel chapter 22, the 30th verse. God is enraged. And he said, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. Listen, that, we church it up here. We call it intercession. That's a fancy word. The only place I use the word intercession is around Christians. And even around some Christians, they're like, what do you mean by intercession? Right here it is. This is a great definition of it. It is being willing to stand in the gap on behalf of the land and the people. The reason Josh was up here is because he's going to be an interceder for you dads who stood. Because I want to tell you, raising teenagers in this day and age is difficult. I know it was difficult back in the day, in my grandpa's day. But listen, they didn't have a stinking iPhone that was smarter than anything else on the planet. My papa's days, you went and pulled tobacco until you were so tired you went to bed when it got dark. Now we turn on Netflix and we stay awake till it becomes daylight. 
So the enemy knows that this generation and the one to come is positioned for powerful things. That's why he is not powerful. Listen to me. The enemy is not powerful. In his scheming, he knows that he's got to put a stop to something. Because he knows that my teenagers and my little kids and all of these teenagers and little kids in this area are positioned by the Father for the glory of God to be revealed in amazing ways. And he is scheming and he's working hard and he is trying to destroy it. And so Josh saw the men standing and he is going to stand in the gap for you as parents of teenagers. But this day here in Ezekiel's time, as it was turning all different directions, he said, God said, I looked for one who would be an intercessor, who would stand in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. And God said, but I found none. Hmm. And so I just say, May that not be true of us. May this be not the spirit that you and I in this community and whatever else has. That we would not be so busy trying to put ourselves at the center of all of this thing that we have no desire in our heart to pray and stand in the gap for other people and this land. The cry of my heart. So we have to be people of prayer. We have to be willing to do the unseen so that in the seen today, God is glorified.